0: Hello, good evening, and welcome to the latest episode of The Game is About Glory. I'm your host, THFC Steph, and tonight we will look back on what just happened at White Hart Lane between our, once again mighty, Tottenham Hotspur and Sheffield United. It was a 4-0 win, so there are some happy bunnies around the place as I speak. We will also be looking back at what happened in April, although I'm struggling to think of much because it's been a pretty pretty quiet month, all told. So we'll do the best we can to scrape around and find a few things to to have a chat about. Uh, We're going to look forward to next weekend's game against Leeds United. And we are going to touch on the continuing anger and protests against the owners of some clubs, uh, including our own, uh, to be fair, which currently show a little sign of abating, especially in light of what happened earlier today at Old Trafford. Before we get started, we've got a small favour to ask. We really rely on word of mouth to pick up new listeners. So if you like our pod, please help us by talking about it on social media or wherever else that you hang out online. Let's meet tonight's team. Ricky Gareth Moby. Hello. How are you, boys? Hi, mate. Good evening. Excellent. Very good. Milo's put away his smash hits back issues this week. As a matter of fact, I have to tell everyone that's the first time he's truly admitted that those are his back issues and that he wasn't just picking them up off the internet. So uh, nice to see that confession there. Uh, but he's picked a question from Shoot instead. Shoot Magazine, for those of you who remember. This week's question is, who is your favourite player who never played for Spurs?
1: And Ricky, I'm throwing it well, at that's you That's the result, because probably I'm going to choose someone that everyone else has. It's Maradona, mate, and I'm allowed that, am I? I'm allowed that, I'm like- no, you're not. It's completely disqualified no, because I'm not he having was that. I'm not having wearing that. the mighty Tottenham <laughs> shirt. He did. He played for us. He wore our here. shirt. In the, no, um, no, I'm definitely yeah. having that. Otherwise, I'm stuck, Steph. Do you want me to check? Oh, I choose, a, no, I choose
0: another one if you want? Choose another one. You can have Maradona, albeit it's under review by the VAR team, which is actually Milo tonight. So he's reviewing it and he'll let us know. He'll let me know in a minute if you can have it.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to be a bit, a bit, a bit left field for Spruglia. He's the man. I love the man. That is a curveball, isn't it? <laughs> that is a curveball, yeah. it's great. They're... Just a, a completely off-the-cuff player, a complete wild man. I loved him.
0: Yes, he was a uh, completely mental. For those of, us, those of you who don't remember who he is, he was part of the Newcastle, uh, Kevin Keegan era side that were roaring to the title when he came into the side. He bought magic, he bought delight, but he also bought complete lunacy and they imploded and no one's quite sure if it was because of Aspria or because of Keegan but I agree he was he was a delight to watch and uh and yes yes the the yes it's in I'm afraid Maradona has been disallowed Maradona has been disallowed by the VAR team it was. It's a tight offside, but it's been given because there were t- two linesmen and a referee officiating yeah. an official football match that he played in for Tottenham Hotspur. So yes, uh, it, well, it has been disallowed by VAR. No more.
1: No more dispute.
0: Well, otherwise, you're going to get a red card, Gareth. Who's the your? Pi- Gareth? The pictures no, 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 are there. The no, pictures no, no, are there. Red,
1: okay. All right, all right, okay. Right, I'm backing off.
0: You have to. Otherwise, it's a red card, son. It's not my fault. It's VAR. Okay, Gareth. <laughs>
2: Good evening. Well, I'm going to tell you a player who definitely didn't play for Spurs, but really he was born to have played in a Spurs shirt, and that's Matthew Letitier. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. You set it up. I knew it. You had it written on your face. I knew it. He was During uh, during the 90s, he just had that period where he scored the two goals in that goal game against Newcastle at the Dell back in about 1993, and he was absolutely on fire. I'm only saying this in retrospect, really, because I hated it when we played against him, because he always scored against us. But yeah, Matthew Letizia, he, he should have been in the Spurs shirt. He—he he, was—he was that good, an absolute mercurial talent. And perhaps, perhaps the um, the legend of Matthew Letizia exists because he stayed true to his home club, Southampton, as well.
0: That's a, a nicely packaged summary of a, of a great player. I will agree. I will agree with that, Moby.
3: You're next on the block, Hello, mate. That that was funny, actually. As soon as uh, as soon as I saw the question earlier, I instantly thought Maradona, and then the moment I thought it, I thought Ricky's going to go for that because he always says the same things that I'm going to go for. So uh, I predicted that. Now, I'm I'm going to go for a bit of a weird one. Uh, Georgie Hargey. I remember back in the day, yeah. uh, he was just outstanding, pinging goals in from out on the uh, out on the left flank from ridiculous angles. Always, always liked the look of him. And then we went and signed a couple of uh, Romanians who who didn't really work. But I was hoping we were going to get the hat trick. But but in retrospect, probably glad we didn't. And uh, Hargy can stay a legend in my mind rather than a probably a huge flop on the pitch. But yeah, great player. Uh, And if uh, Ricky was going to go for that as his second backup option, then I was going to go for either Romario or original Ronaldo. But that's probably a little bit too pie in the sky.
0: Two good calls. Well, you're allowed pie in the sky. That's that's great. You know, you're allowed those. I, of course, can never just pick one. So I've gone through uh, various. I'm going to narrow it down to three. I really, really loved Thomas Muller for a while. And I thought he would have been a great player for us uh, about five years ago. I really thought he would have been top quality. I'd love Mbappe today, but it's not going to happen. Uh, I would love him in a Spurs shirt. But the one above all others has to be Zinedine Zidane. I just think he is he was just brilliant. Brilliant player. And I think he would have been fantastic
3: in a top. Imagine shirt. him and him and David's recreating that Juve midfield for us oh, under Yol. <laughs>
0: oh my word. It would have been something, wouldn't it? It would have been something. And uh I have so much to say about Zidane, but I won't carry on. Let me just leave it there. Well, Sheffield United at home. A four nil win. A Gareth Bale hat-trick. The sun was shining through the evening light, if you know what I mean. (laughs) I'm going to, I mean, look, let's start with the lineup. Let's start with this lineup. Moby. What did you think when you saw the lineup tonight with Delhi back in the number ten and 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 just it's, it felt like oh, right, it felt it?
3: great. I was just so delighted to see you know to to use Gareth Bale's phrase, a team that was playing on the front foot. And you just looked at it and thought, yeah, you know, it might not work out on grass. We we knew it was good on paper, but yeah, it was everything I'd hoped and dreamed of. And you know, I'll accept the fact that and didn't play because you know we got Lo Celso in, we got Delhi in, we got Bale in. You can only fit in sort of you know five five bobbies and five jack so we had a little bit of balance in there and uh yeah you know you knew that they weren't going to last 90 minutes either cuz i think mason's doing a really good job of trying to reintegrate some of the players that have been on the shit list and they're not all fit so I thought that was masterful today, you know, get get a good starting front foot team in and then have some options off the bench just to keep the continuity going. So, yes, mate, I was really pleased when I saw that.
0: I've got to ask you, Gareth, now, I mean, uh, you know, do we think that Sheffield United were probably the perfect opponents after you've lost the cup final? are indeed the perfect opponents in general for us right now at this particular moment in our history.
2: Uh, Yeah, they were. We needed, after having played Man City last week, which really wasn't going to be a true reflection on what Ryan Mason's Spurs were going to look like. um, Yeah, it was important that we had a good home game. And realistically, they were the best opponent that we could have asked for. But um, I've looked at some some stats, so I compare this, because I think we had a pretty similar conversation when we beat West Brom back in February because that was the perfect opponent for us, having had a horrible 10 days against Brighton, Liverpool and and Chelsea. So playing against Sheffield United today, 20 shots compared to 13 we had against West Brom, 11 on target compared to six. So we actually did better than we have done against similar opponents earlier in the season. But yes, yeah, Sheffield United it was a very kind fixture for us today. But um we really took it to him. we did everything that we could have done and more.
0: Ricky, you've just we've just had those stats from Gareth, which I mean, they tell a story all of their own, I think. What story do they tell to you? Especially when you juxtapose them against Gareth Gareth's saying about the the West Brom game in February under a different tenure, what does it tell you about the team today and how they how they came to this supposed cannon fodder game?
1: I mean, going back to my kind of idealist reference, I think we we set up in a similar way to Hewood. and we should. And to be honest, that's what it should be against. This a lot of these are kind of Premier League fodder teams. You know, we should we were at home, we're confident at home. We can even in game, even in periods where we haven't had been been in the greatest form, we still had good games at home. But we've had periods in other years where we these home games would we just tick them off one after the other, and we don't need to be too cautious. We don't need to be too. I mean, ailed and died Today, how troubled were they? I'm sure there are plenty of games where we could have done this, or we could at least be of that level where that would then convert itself into points that would see us further up the table than we are now.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe let's. I mean, let's drill down into why. I'm still really intrigued with the difference in shot accuracy between February's game against West Brom and today. And I mean, you know, we've had the quotes from Gareth Bale about front foot football, which, uh, you know, have have, uh, uh, already circulating. This phrase has come out an awful lot. Ryan Mason himself has talked about the importance of us being a front foot football team. You know, did you feel that there were any particular initiators of that front foot game today? Did you feel there were any reasons why it was easier for us to to pepper Sheffield United with more shots than we did West Brom back in in February? Yeah,
3: we we had a more creative lineup. I thought Deli Alley was superb today. I've got to say, I've seen a little bit of stick online, which I think is crazy. I mean, I barely saw him. What like like what?
0: What, what are people oh, that, saying? that
3: he's done. You can see why he was left out. Daddy was awful, should have been pulled off earlier. I'm like, hey, football's all about opinions. <laughs> and uh, you certainly see the full gamut. That's all I can say. Um, I, I didn't see anything wrong with his performance at all. And I thought he looked a class player and he linked the midfield to the attack. And that is something we've badly missed. You know, I made the point a few weeks ago um, You know that everyone was focusing on how bad the defence was, even though it's constantly under pressure. Uh, But the point was, there's a glaring hole in midfield. You know, the defence couldn't get the ball to the attack and it was coming straight back and the midfield was absent. And I just think Delhi today just linked that up. Every time the ball went to him, he had people around him. He held it up, took a couple of touches, got you know turned around, knocked it through people's legs. It was all there. and, And he generally kept possession high up the pitch. And that's what I think we've missed. We really have missed that. And then once you've got that pivot point that's higher, you can then start bringing Son and Kane and Bale And the full-backs even as well, because the full-backs were able to bomb forward. So we got the width, we got the attacking players in the right positions, and the link-up play was there. So yeah. So I think combine that with, um, to my mind, you're seeing a, you're starting to see a better attitude or a ha- certain happiness coming through, which hasn't been there. It's been drained out of them, and slowly you sort of saw that negative impact draining today as the game went on. They just seemed to get happier and more confident, and it was great to see. Mm. So yeah, very happy. And I'm not having yeah. the Sheffield United were a weak team in my little happy bubble. Now they were, uh, you know, they were Real Madrid as far as I'm concerned All today. Really? Don't, <laughs> don't take this away from me. <laughs> It
1: felt like we were better than them today. And when I mean we, I mean the team, not necessarily us from a fan's point of view. It looked like on the pitch that we thought, no, we are better than you. And we're just going to like put you to the sword and that kind of thing. We've got well-class players. I've said it other weeks. You know, We shouldn't be underachieving like we had, really. We've got well-class players and well-class finishers, as we definitely saw today, 100%.
0: So, Gareth, I wanted to I wanted to come to you and ask you, spe- I mean, I'm sure you've got some points to bounce off there. But I do have a specific question to ask you how did you feel uh Celso's game was today do you know he's Milo was uh, and I was talking about this earlier and and we were Sort of trying to figure out why Ndombele might not be there and why lacelso's there. We
2: have our opinions. I'd like to hear yours. I just feel he was um, he was classic lacelso today. He was just busy. He was you, invariably showing and available for the ball. He always wanted it. Uh, he he got it. He gave it very simply today. We didn't see anything spectacular from him, but it was just that it was just that yeah that sort of busyness that he gives you in midfield. Um, and I need to hear from a Sheffield United fan how. they I think their midfield play today compared to how they might do otherwise. But he seemed to be very good at just dropping and finding the ball in fairly deep positions. And Moby was saying about Daddy playing slightly higher up the pitch and linking it. And I thought Lo Celso was really integral to us being able to do that from a slightly deeper position. So the the, the two points I was going to say, just in in reference to what you were saying, so Moby was talking about Delhi and said that he got some criticism and I thought he was fantastic today, but I do think he grew into the game. So one note that I made during it was within the first 25 minutes, he'd given the ball away four times in fairly unforced situations, including his very first touch of the ball. But actually, as as the game went on, he really grew into it and he did what we've all said he does really well, which is he just finds himself in pockets of space and he makes it look really easy. But that is such an important Thing to do for all the reasons that you've discussed beforehand. The other thing that, um, that that Ricky mentioned about the players just looking happier. One thing I noticed when we scored the first goal, all ten outfield players went and celebrated together. And I know that that's something that from the academy upwards, they encourage all of the outfield players to go and celebrate together, no matter whether it's a solo goal or whether it's a team goal. Everyone gets involved in the celebration because it's for the team. And perhaps I've not been paying attention, so I don't know whether that has or hasn't been happening this season, but I, I really noticed it when we scored the first one tonight, and that can only be a good thing.
3: Yeah, there's, there's been a slight change on that. Up to now, Gareth, whenever anyone scored, the instructions are for all 10 men to run back and defend straight away and not celebrate.
0: <laughs> Speaking of defence, actually, Moby, and I'll, I'll throw this one at you. How unlucky is, is has Rodon been uh, you know he was cup tied obviously for the final he's seen Dyer come in with Toby Yeah, those two are now I think probably established as our centre back pairing for the rest of the season Do you, What you know, what's the pathway for Rodon and talk a little bit of, once again about this centre back pairing that seems to be working so well right now
3: yeah it's again the, the big difference as we're all saying is they're not defending for 89 and a half minutes every game on the edge of their own six yard box with players all around them and balls coming in from all angles you know and exploiting their wings. Weakness. Dyer's a player that likes to play football. Toby's a defender that likes to play football. And we saw that, you know, sort of twice in the last week or so where they've been allowed to do that. They've been allowed to push up, carry the ball forward, have options in front of them. Um, So, you know, so I just think they defend a lot better in that kind of mode rather than backs against the wall with tin hats on. With regards to Rodon, I just think it's a nice position to be in. You know, I think if your first if your first choice centre halves are doing the job, which you know, they do look to do, and they were good against Man City as well, under a lot of pressure. You know, they they didn't make any gaffes at all, I didn't think there, they were really decent. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned with Rodon, it's just wait your turn, son, really. You know, you've been bought in from the championship. You've got you've got to get into the team now, and that's a great position to be in. Same with Tanganga, same with Sanchez. Yeah,
1: I think um he's been unfortunate at Rodon because one he played that odd game for Swansea in the League Cup that then bugged him up for the League Cup. Two, we signed him very late, so he missed the cutoff for the uh, Europa League squad, so he couldn't play any of those games, and he would have played those games. And it's a shame because he is our most probably... Well, he's he's our most experienced player playing as the left side of the defence, as in the left centre half. And um, to be honest, I mean, I think I think Dyer and Aldever are doing well. But if I'm if I'm thinking for the future, I would still be playing Rodon. I'd still be selecting him, and at least getting. Uh, I mean, at least getting him on the bench. He's not even in the squad at the moment, which I suppose is because maybe Mason thinks I have to be more loyal to Sanchez because he's a more senior squad member or something. Because you know, someone else would have to miss out otherwise on the bench because we've only got so many spaces. But yeah, I think it's. It's a shame. And if I was, I'd be playing him, to be honest, because I know know what Dyer is and I know what Elderveld is.
3: And I'm just thinking of the future. And Mason
1: maybe should because he's only a caretaker.
3: Do we know what Dyer is, though? Because I think we flip-flopped probably four times this season. We started off thinking he's rubbish. Then he went through a little period where we're like, yeah, he's good again. Then we all said he was shit. And now we're all kind of saying he's good again. So.
0: I'd like to point out, I've never. No, said I know you shit. love him. I mean, I you really. Love I know I'm not. That. I, I will say almost. I almost belligerently have stuck by him for the for the fact that I do believe that he yeah. was a victim of a system that was yeah. absolutely designed to make him.
3: It, it
1: exploited all his worst points.
3: When I say we, I'm talking holistically as a as a fan base. You know, we flip-flopped. Moby, you just described what he is there, didn't you? Go
1: inconsistent.
3: On. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, but I think it is the system. I it is the system, as Steph said. He's limited in certain areas, talented yeah. in others. And, you know, when you've got that, as cool. all players are, you want to build a system around where they're good, not
2: where they're weak.
0: I mean, Gareth, is there a possibility that actually next season what we will see is Dyer and Rodon,
2: given that Toby is the oldest, you know? Does he make way? I think there's a case for all five of our defenders, I'm including Tan in that as a, a centre half, all being very much in the plans next season. I think there's probably a case for all five of them not being part of the plans. I think there's, I think there's much of a muchness really. I, I agree that. Uh, you know Joe Roden is unfortunate I think he's he's coming he's he's looked like he's um he's got a very mature head on his shoulders, and I think there's a big future for him but next season he he really he would really benefit from us being in the Europa League or at least in European football next year to get a decent number of games under his belt, and I think that's when we'll start to see. I think our our big problem is that we haven't got a, a brilliant combination at the moment. We've spoken about this in the past that we haven't got that really really comfortable left sided defender at the moment. I actually think all five of them would look much better against, you know, a peak the Tongan, for example. And I think that's been the case all season. But
0: are we? I mean, okay, let's just do a quick poll here. Are we actually now saying that we would be okay? with maybe adding a left-sided centre-half and not losing any of them. Are we saying it's too that? many players. So who would you lose? If you had to lose, you bring one left-sided centre-half in and you've got to lose one. Who's the one who goes? I mean, it's
1: a tough question, but... Dyer or Sanchez is not tough at all, I don't think.
2: I think Sanchez is the one that generates some money for us because of his age. Um, and I think if you're looking at it through the prism of, um, of what income you can get, then Sanchez is, the, is, is probably the first one out. Um, I think that, if Dyer went, you probably wouldn't miss him as much as I've, I've been a fan of him. I think if he was, I think if he was gone uh, and we had a really good left-sided defender, you'd forget that Dyer was there. I think Alderweireld you might miss for his experience. Interesting. Well, we have a yeah. That's an interesting selection of opinions. Let's move
0: to Ryan Mason's use of substitutions for this game. Which, I mean, in fairness, probably he probably didn't have the toughest of uh, of time substituting. But you know, he bought he bought Bergwine on at a, uh, which I think is a, a very good move. He got to get some minutes into that player's legs and some confidence into his mind. Uh, any thoughts on the substitutions today? The timing of them, who came on, who came off? Lamella involved again?
2: Yeah. What so it was it was Winks for La Celso, then Bergwine for. Bale after he'd got the hat trick, and then it was Lamella for for Delhi a bit later on. No, I, I like you say really. I think it was a it was it was a comfortable evening really, and he could make the changes that he wanted to. I think it's good that Bergwine's become involved. In the last couple of games, I think it shows that perhaps there is a future for him, whereas three weeks ago it, it felt like he'd been well and truly frozen out.
3: I think it's been a lot of the story of the Mason era. He's uh, you know he's again getting those players back in that was was on Jose's hit list and he's getting energy, he's getting whether it's resale value, whether it's time on the pitch and some output from them. You know, you one end you've got Bale firing now, Delhi coming back in. And don't forget Bergwin came on and actually got an assist within what was it, 90 seconds of coming on the pitch. So that'll help his kind. Confidence. It suddenly feels like the squad is a lot fuller and we've got more options. So I think that's good. So I think, you know, he's really doing a good thing in terms of how he's managing the squad already.
1: Yeah, I don't think, uh, I mean, he had a nice situation today because I think Sheffield United had a bit of a go at us, didn't they, at the start of the second half? And then basically, when we scored that second goal, that put a lid on it. And so it was quite relaxed about how he could make changes and you can make changes for the good of the squad, maybe get, as you say, get, as the others have said, get minutes into people's legs and stuff.
0: Before we get on to the the hat trick, which we, we do have to address uh you know you talked about getting the second goal I mean a couple of pivotal moments and I'm going to stick with you for this uh Ricky there are a couple of pivotal moments there uh, that involve VAR uh one of which was uh uh I believe it was Fleck using uh Lo Celso's head as a landing pad for his boot and seemingly knowing that he was doing so uh if you look at the direction of his eyes which were looking south which would be towards his knee the pitch and the foot and then uh Sun uh, with another one of these just sort of maddening the infuriating offside lines where nobody's quite sure because you can't see when the second the ball is played versus the movement of the, the nasal hair, all of this stuff. You know, what do we have to say about VAR today? It seems that they... You know, the letter of the law, they got one right, but the obvious call, they just blew it. So so what was your I'm take I'm quite relaxed
1: on with the off because I know it, everyone says it's like a, a millimetre or something, but a millimetre, you know, is a we In other words, the lines are there, so there is some kind of, you know, as you say, it's black or white kind of thing. So I'm kind of okay with off But the other one today, one, obviously the VR ref looked at it and didn't see, obviously, what we were seeing on the screen, which is a bit kind of shocking. I think like you say, the um the, the offending player definitely wasn't you know, he wasn't looking in the other direction or anything. It wasn't like his eyes were somewhere else. And although it was slow mo and it was slowed down, it definitely seemed as he was coming out the air, that he could have avoided doing that to Lo Celso, To be honest, I still think even if something's accidental, this—you know—I don't think you can exonerate someone completely just because of that. I mean, it's—I don't know. Yeah, maybe I don't want to talk myself into a corner on that
3: one. Big thing for me on that as well. I know everyone, everyone to a man, picked up on the fact that his eyes were looking down, which mm. is the first giveaway. But I thought as well, the second giveaway for me was the moment it happened, whether, we, you know, let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he didn't know that he was stamping on uh, Gio's face. The moment that you feel your studs make contact with somebody's cheek, you know, that's not grass that you've just landed on. You look down, you see him, a normal human being that's an accident is going to go, oh, shit, I'm sorry, mate. Are you OK? You know, didn't mean to do it. He, he looked down and aggressively shouted or barked something at Gio which says to me he went to do him.
0: Let's round off a little bit here. I mean Gareth, you and I can celebrate Gareth Bale's trick. Where's the shirt, Steph? Where's the shirt? The shirt is the shirt should, should be on, be shouldn't disgrace. it? It should be on. You're absolutely right. I did I did have it on earlier for what it's worth. Gareth, let's you and I celebrate Bale's trick a little bit here. Just we'll, we'll have a little and the others can sort of wave their approval in
2: the background, but
0: it was a beautiful thing to see, wasn't it?
2: It was the three beautifully taken goals as well, really, from from a player who's showing his world class abilities with each three of those finishes. I mean, actually, I, I I thought Bale's brilliant tonight. Perhaps came at the expense of Harry Kane. I don't know. Maybe that's something we'll we'll pick up on before we rally off um, round off on on this game. But he seems to be getting into some really really good positions. So his position for um for the first goal from the clip through by Aurea. the movement, the the, the finish is brilliant. But it's that timing of the run that is almost just as impressive. And that is a really, really experienced player who has played at the very, very highest level, who knows the timing of that run. I mean, when I first saw it, I didn't celebrate because I thought, "Mm, maybe it's going to be offside. Farr's going to look at that one. But when you look at it, he's a good two yards onside because he times his run so perfectly well. So sometimes it's those more subtle things that are even more impressive than the um, than perhaps the obvious tangible things. But by God, all three of those finishes today were, were incredible.
1: Yeah, what oh, really effing annoys me. But what what annoys me is him and Kane basically take the jeopardy or the nervousness out of finishing. It's just like a shell in peace to them. And we've got two of them, two people in that team. And Son's not far behind, let's face it, when you look at his finishing. And it, it just should add up to so much more. For the team as an o- overall, we should—they th- th- should be firing us to top four, firing us to all kinds of things—and it's just not happened that way. And it's—you know—I don't want to put a down on Bale's thing because he was brilliant today again.
0: Yeah, Moby, what about that cane point that Gareth made? I mean, he was uh, really dropping—he was dropping into that, I suppose the quarterback position we like to call it now, uh, don't we? I suppose a deep. Deep, you know, deep playmaker, whatever you want to call it. He was dropping in quite frequently. And actually, his finishing, he did get two very clear finished uh, opportunities to finish today. And he was he was a little off with them.
3: Harry Kane today? Yeah, he overall. didn't have his shooting boots on, did he? And I think what's nice is uh, it doesn't matter. You know, when you've got players of the ability of Bale and Son in the team, it's so nice just not to have to rely on Harry to do everything. And if he wants to, you know, turn in one bad game every 100, as he's just done then, you know, as long as it's not a a deeper rooting issue, which I think a few people are already speculating, uh, but I certainly don't see it as being a case of, you know, Bale overshadowed him or he didn't play well because Bale was there. Because, you know, but ultimately if he gets his move... He's going to be playing with world class players every week anyway, so he's going to need to get used to it. So he may as well stay here, hadn't he, and enjoy it.
0: I mean, let's put some context on the bad game thing. I mean, look, it's it's a, a bad game from Harry Kane is an eight and a half out of ten yeah. these days. I mean, he was still, <laughs> I mean, he was still, uh, still, you know, if not quite superlative, he was super at times today really was I mean his movement and what he does uh, in opening up space for other players and his vision and his ability to switch players just remains um, I think unparalleled in the Premiership actually and I don't think there's a club that can afford him I think that's the reason he'll stay but that's a whole other topic Gareth you have your hand up in you go
2: <laughs> I was going to say there's so many occasions and we'll, we'll, we'll look back on April I know later but in so many occasions when we've only got a point or we've only won a game because of Kane almost completely despite of the rest of the eleven. so It was, you know, it was good that we won a game without him really having that much of an influence on the game. Um, One thing I was interested in, Bale's hat-trick goal. uh, So that was the one from Ori's pass. And then he, he hit the ball a low shot from about 20 yards on there. That goal involved 23 consecutive passes. We had the ball for over a minute. Of those twenty-three passes, the only outfield player who didn't touch the ball was Harry Kane, oh, right. which I thought was wow, I mean, yeah. I don't I don't think there's anything to to read into that. It's probably just because a lot of the play came came across along the side rather than going up and coming back. But it's a, it's a
0: brilliant stat, and it's a perfect place for us to phase out from discussing what has been a you know a relaxing and very enjoyable evening. Uh, and I'm going to phase out with a few more stats to add on to your excellent ones there, Gareth. Uh, the XG today. Saw us with a 2.26 and Sheffield United with a 0.47. I think you've already noted this actually, but uh Gareth, but uh we had 20 shots today, uh to Sheffield United's eight and eleven of our shots were on target, which is yeah, I mean I can't remember the last time that over half our shots were on target, let alone at that of that number. Sheffield United had one shot on target. Uh the X points, uh 2.62 for us. 025 for Sheffield United. And it ended up a 67% possession for us to 33 for Sheffield United. And uh, I'm going to give Ricky the final word on Sheffield United at home, the 4-0 win, not because I'm feeling magnanimous, but because his hand is up and he's saying, give me the mic.
1: It was really just one final question on Bale. Who next season then, if the manager wants him, would have Bale back?
0: 100%, yes.
1: Others? Yeah. Yeah. yeah if it's just the wages. If it's just the wages, I think, Absolutely, I'd have them a hundred percent. And but you know, no, would I would, you? no, I would. Just basically for the reason I gave. If if you can have, if you've got someone on the pitch that in the moments they are the big moments of the game where you just finish, you need someone to finish. To have one, two, maybe two and a half, three with Sun as well, it's priceless. Basically,
0: you're not going to find that calibre of finishing, that quality, and that experience for 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 even the exorbitant wages that we're contributing to. You're just not going to find them anywhere this close season and I think that if it depends on who comes in as you say if that manager wants to work with him it has to be done because as you're going to point it out his finishing today was world-class but that's because Gareth Bale when he's happy when he's in a front foot football team (laughs) fancy that is a world-class player and world-class, we, 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 we go from world-class to what we hope will be a world-class condensed review of April. <laughs> We're going to try and keep it fairly short because I think in the past we do get, you know, we get into minutia sometimes with these monthly reviews. So uh, uh, look, I know there's not been much to talk about, so I'll, I'll drag a few things out and we'll do our best to keep it tight. Uh, I will just let's just say at the beginning of April we were sixth and three points off uh, at the end of April, we were seventh and five points off fourth, albeit what a difference two days can make uh, but that was how we ended April okay, pop quiz first, describe our April in three words, and it has to be three words I'm going to be strict,
1: Ricky, one door closes Gareth
2: increased apathy ends
3: Moby i can't think. <laughs> <laughs> um. Fuck off, Jose! <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: No, those are all very good. I think uh, my three words of April were: are uh, confusing, angry, frustration. That being said. I'll just briefly say we drew 2-2 at Newcastle. Uh, we lost 3-1 at home to Man United. We drew 2-2 at Everton. We beat Southampton 2-1 at home in obviously Ryan Mason's first game in charge. And then we lost the Carling Cup final. At uh, which of these games or results would you say
2: typifies our April? Gareth? I think the Everton one was... Fairly standard it was was the was the mean average, wasn't it? It was really the, nothing really positive to take from it, apart from the fact that Kane happened to be on the end of two gifts that were given to us by Everton, and that really I think symbolised everything that we'd seen in the fifteen months beforehand. And it was probably perhaps a fitting way for for for, for that reign to end, actually.
0: Moby, would you agree with
3: that? Uh, yeah, I'm just still confused about the uh, the Carling Cup final. There, I thought we won that in two thousand and eight. <laughs> Did I say 2008? No, no, you said Carling Cup final.
0: Oh, you yeah. <laughs> Clearly gracious. it's the
3: Rumbelows Cup oh. and we need to stick with it oh. from there if that's okay.
0: Moby, let's get this back on the rails. Carling Cup, Carabao, Rumbelows, whatever crappy Worthington Crappy Cup that we don't care about because we lost it, right? Okay, so we don't care about yeah. it, it's gone. But seriously, which of these games for you uh, typified our A? Oh,
3: probably the Man United game, to be honest, just that kind of sense of doom, that sort of sense of foreboding and that sense that oh God, we're potentially in this for the long run and we went into that. United game needing to win, and I don't. I remember doing the doing this with with you guys before, and we were beaten before we went on. We just knew we weren't going to get anything out of that, and we performed exactly as we expected. And then, you know, to do the Batman line, the uh, the night is always darkest before the dawn. And uh, things did start to turn around.
0: I actually think that's a killing joke line, to be honest. I don't think it's a Batman line. But anyway, well, we, we it's, carry it's, on. this in the dark night. <laughs> well, it's also in some killing joke lyrics, I'm sure of it. So but, anyway, I'm sure it's not also be the floor, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, no. But anyway, Ricky, for
1: you, which game did you James' part for me. We were like, you know. Yes,
0: I'm with you. I'm with you yeah, all the way. we're just
1: yeah. flaccid. Well.
0: It was just so frustrating because it was it was just, you know, this team they've been useless Newcastle and they and we just let them we let them have their best. Bottom of the, of the
1: form team. league, didn't have their two strikers, uh, bail, uh Kane bailed us out again. And just to cap it off, uh, a goon got an equaliser at the end, you know. So miserable, yeah.
0: And it was, and it was, it was right at the, it was so close to the end. And it was, I agree with you. For me, that was the most frustrating, uh, most frustrating game of April. You know, obviously, uh, we've got to to ask, I suppose, what our best performance in the month of April was. I mean, I'm sure that we're all going to gravitate to the same one. So I'm going to throw it open. Fingers on the buzzers. Three, two, one.
2: Southampton
3: second half. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Final 25 what minutes. Was our best,
3: <laughs> what was our best half a game of the month? Wow. <laughs> That's what it got to. Yeah. What a team yeah. we are.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we've got to ask again. I mean, you know, it would be churlish not to recognise that there was a change of management. I don't think we need to go down into the minutiae of that. We've already covered it both with a special emergency pod and also last weekend we, we discussed uh, Ryan Mason's incoming. But we've got to say that April has switched on the energy of, of, of that particular appointment. Uh, and and uh, what well, dismissal and appointment? Uh,
1: would that be accurate? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just nice with Mason, Chrissy, Powell, Ledley. Uh, it's just nice having people who obviously got Lily White blood fl- uh, flowing through their veins, basically.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think we start- even started to see today that you've got the best bits of Potch that Mason's clearly held and carried into his his coaching career Um, and we're starting to see that again now the the video that we discussed on our whatsapp group yesterday on the spurs website of chris powell talking about his um his time growing up as a spurs fan even though he's a professional playing against spurs at the time you know that really comes through and cynically you could say it's a nice pr exercise but actually you feel you've got custodians custodians in place looking after the team at the moment. Who, yeah, who are who are Spurs through and through? Let's talk about a
0: couple of the players in April that didn't hide, and this is something that I, th- I think is actually very important to note. I'm going to ask everyone to to have a view on on Sunny in the month of April because I don't think it's um I don't think it's you know headline news to say that he had by his standards uh, a disappointing month form wise. However, I still felt. That he was fighting and working and trying his best. I mean, he still actually managed a couple of goals in April, which, you know, all be told. And one of them was a pressure penalty. Uh, then he's not our normal penalty taker. I mean, let's, that's, uh, that's, my, that's my vote for a player who didn't hide and showed me
2: that he was prepared to fight whatever. I mean,
0: are there any other notable fighters for you in the month of April?
2: I think Hugo's been really good, actually, in April. I think he's been. I think he's been absolutely top drawer. He's made some incredible saves. He was probably our best player in the cup final, wouldn't he? And he's made some really good saves in in the games either side of that as well. So I think uh, honourable mention for him. Anyone else?
3: Uh, I think Harry's the obvious one, isn't he? Kane kind of dragged us through the month as usual, single-handedly, really. Yeah, I think we it would be kind of, we almost kind of don't mention Kane because we just
1: expect him to just be a Trojan and just keep ploughing on like a tank, basically. So, but I agree with Belt Loris definitely stepped up and his shot saving has been great this month.
3: I, I tell you what, I, yeah. I love that man so much. It's really dawned on me this season. You know, we had, we, we really built him up earlier this year, didn't we? I think it was uh, Luton Spurs on this was, was, was building him up. And then it was against uh, the Everton game in the FA Cup when he then suddenly let in about three or four clangers in the same game. And poor Luton was like, oh man, I've jinxed him. Uh, and it took him, a, he had a few for a couple of games after that as well. But he's been magnificent. And honestly, when I think back... You know, because obviously we're faced with the prospect of losing him potentially. You know, do we let him go? Do we refresh? And we know we need to do that. He's 34 now. But I just think what a man. he. he we've been so lucky to have him. You know, World Cup winning captain for so many years. Sorry, I'm going off on one, but I love you. No, I love no, I you, just, w- go. I just, I just want to say
0: after many, many months of hearing you monkeying around, it's a pleasure to see that it's slow Loris no more for you. I, I'm, I'm just, it's a pleasure. Delighted that you've put that to bed. I'm going to slip this in again. Another brave player for April, Eric Dyer. I know it seems like Eric well, Dyer must be sponsoring my time this month, but I think he's done well and he's and he's stood up and been counted at a very very tough time, especially after the fact that he was completely ignored for for several weeks prior. But can I ask a general question? Are we finding it hard to talk about the month of April coherently from an emotional point of view? Is it sort is it is it troubling? Is it a drag? I find it quite difficult to analyse the month.
1: We're in the kind of last throes of Jose, basically hit He'd run out of ideas. The team had run out of ideas. Levy was probably thinking about new ideas. Um, and we, we that month we even play, we played a lot of teams that were like bottom of the form league relegation candidates. As I said before, not had their best strikers. In other words, things fell into place for us. And we how many points did we get in April? Five did we? And we're still in the top four race somehow. So, which is infuriating, isn't it, boys?
0: To think to think what could have happened at the beginning. I mean, all you needed was to hold on at Newcastle and to actually show up at Everton. And we, we, we might actually be close to the driver's seat for a top four place. If that, I mean, that might be overstating it a bit, but we'd be four points better off. I mean, it's it's an incredibly frustrating month. I think uh, maybe I'll revise my April in three words: frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. Can I do, can I do that? Because that's what I think of when I see this. And and we come to another thing in April that has become a developing story. You know, this seems to be the month that has pushed the relationship between the fans and the board to breaking point. I mean, we've had little flare ups like this in the past you know, where uh, the fans get angry at ENIC. Between the ESL and just how the team were performing under the previous manager... We've got high-profile managers, targets choosing other clubs. I mean, let's talk about why the fans are stepping up and getting so loud right now. Who's going
2: to take it on? Do do we mean Spurs specifically or are we talking the wider football family?
0: Spurs specifically.
2: Well, the Trust, if if they are indicative of the wider supporter feeling, they've taken a um, a very different step this time that through their – member meeting last week, they decided they were going to issue a statement that they want the board to step down, that they've got no faith in working with them any further. Apparently 90% of members who were on their call agreed with that stance as well. And in the past, I think they've always tried to tow quite a difficult line of wanting to have dialogue with the club, but also trying to hold them to account as well. And I think they feel that there's, you know, the Super League was just one step too far for them. I, I think you've ultimately, you've got to look at what's going on in society as well at the moment. Look at what's going on in the world. Look at how so many people have been very, very unhappy and have really stepped up the way that they want to show their discomfort and unhappiness with the way that things are running at the moment and that seems football seems to be acting in a bit of a microcosm really for for wider society so I think that perhaps echoes what's going on in the wider world at the moment. Ricky what do you think
1: about the about this situation specifically with the NIC?
2: I was thinking about this the other day
1: and regarding the actual European Super League I mean if you you've what you have to do is boil it down to just one question and that one question is that if you look at English and European football as it is and, uh, you look at it without any of the hindsight of the, um, of the fans' reaction. If the European Super League train pulls into the station. And it offers its hands out and says, oh, are you going to come on board and you are Daniel Levy? What is your answer? There's only one answer. You're going to say, yes, I'm coming on board. And as soon as you, if you, if that's your answer, and really it has to be, I will think you're lying if you're saying it's not yes, if you're in Daniel Levy's position. then basically, from that point on, you've got to check yourself because you're just, the only place you're heading then is hypocrisy land, basically. If you would have given the same answer, you'd have taken the same route you can't see this you can't really then say anything after that because you're saying well i would have done the same and I, although the wider question is is whether i agree with the super league and what they were doing with it you'd need to see more details of the super league but the whole closed shop business did seem a bit that's like totally against, you know, the traditional pyramid of promotion and relegation. I don't agree with that, but in the, in the context of what the game is right here, right now, I would agree to join it as well. I can't see how you couldn't have, unless you were some kind of standing for some kind of moral point, or you know, you know, behaving like Gary Neville basically and taking some kind of like
3: moral high ground. <laughs> <laughs> I've just, yeah, I've, I've got to build on, agree and build on what Ricky said there. I mean, let, let's flip it on its head. I think Levy was in a difficult position. If you flip that round and Levy had the opportunity to go into the European Super League and said, no, no, I'm a very ethical guy who's not interested in money. I'm stepping out. Uh, Leicester City, Wolves, you go in instead. Yeah, and then fast forward, if it had gone ahead, fast forward 10, 20, 30 years, what would the Spurs fan base have been saying about Levy when it got out that he turned down that offer to be part of this and take us forward? So I think he was damned if he did and he was damned if he didn't. What has surprised me since this has all kicked off though, is it's the anger being directed at the boards. And I'm, I'm not sure if this is going to make the edit or not, because it could get us flamed, but, uh, it seems amazing that the anger towards, you know, the Glazers that we've seen today that's apparently been lined up for Levy, for Enoch coming up now as well. Uh, Is this really the fans' natural reaction to what's happened? Are they that angry with this? Because I really think the media has been stoking this for weeks now, for a couple of weeks, to basically save their own product. And I think the actual reason the fans are angry at Tottenham isn't to do with that. I think that's just the straw that broke the camel's back. I think the reason they're angry is the piss-poor job we've done over the last two years of refreshing the squad. Because for every person I see complaining about the European Super League, I'm seeing somebody going, Poch said two years ago, we needed to do a painful rebuild. Levy didn't do it, you bold... So actually, I think that's the anger. It's nothing. To, it's, it's not nothing to do with the ESL. It's just that's what's really fired it on.
1: Yeah, the, there is an irony here with the Enoch outcrowd. And I think it is, is the the original Enoch outcrowd is obviously very anti-Levy. Basically, all they ever say is he never spends any money. He's aggling over 50p. You know, he's never backed the manager and that kind of thing. So in other words, Levy's not got enough money to spend or he doesn't spend money. And of course, the Enoch outcrowd that has now, the other Enoch outcrowd that's joined them are angry that Levy didn't, that Levy was going to join something that would have given him loads more money to spend. So it's almost like they're in conflict. It's almost like they're in conflict,
3: but they have actually got a common cause. Do the impression. I'm dying for you What's to that? do the impression again. <laughs> I I'm understand. You do it. You, I thought not. you were about to do it. You you, wow, you were winding no, up in I'm the not. accent. I'm not. I'm, not. I'm not. You're so good at it. No, I'm not. I can see you, Levy. <laughs> I, <laughs> you <can laughs> I see knew me you were, were going to do it. C- <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the thing, isn't it? That's you've touched on something there, though. I can see you, Levy. You can see me. Do you think that do you think that the fans really do believe, and are we are we wrong to not believe that there is enough power in this in these protests to seed change? I mean, I I, I hate to be a pessimist, but even if I was in hundred percent agreement with this. And I'm not quite sure where I stand. In fairness, it's a it's a com- it's a complicated situation, as we've all discussed. And my feelings towards E and I see and what they've done are very, you know, there's good and bad, and I couldn't drop a hammer on it right now. But I mean, do even if I 100% believed, do we genuinely think that these fans believe they're going to get change, or do you think they just want to be in, you know? In the headlines, as an on record, as hey, we protested this, we stood up for ourselves, and so on and so forth. Do they think there's an end result?
2: I I can't work out what the trust who I think we on on this pod have always relatively quite supportive of, and we think that on the whole they they, they do a good job. Correct me if I'm you know if, if I'm wrong, but I think that's where where we are. They want the board to to resign and to stand down, and they they think that that's. To, that is now the point that the club is at, that that's the only way they can continue a relationship with the club. And I can't see that's going to happen. So I don't know what change they think is going to happen when Enoch, which is majority owned by Joe Lewis and Daniel Levy, own shares in it. And Daniel Levy is the chairman of the football club. I don't see how they're going to win packs and affect the change. It's, it's like asking turkeys to vote for Christmas.
3: And where's that going to leave the trust as well? If, uh, if the board stay, you know, if, 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 if THST say we can't work with you, you need to resign and the board go, mm, yeah, so it's a lovely offer. But thanks. No, we're staying as we are. Where does that leave the supporters trust? Having said they can't work
1: with them, well, it would be nice if the trust did actually then still have a meeting with them when they were invited. Because although you might want to, although they might want to stand on their moral high ground, because they think, you know, we didn't want to speak to us before, you still got to keep that dialogue open, which whatever you do, really.
0: Here's a question Do we think that if Joe Lewis turned around to Daniel Levy and said, okay, I'm going to go against my life's work here, my life's pattern of, of behavior, and I'm going to give this club? A massive cash injection, you know, for the playing staff. You're going to have a massive cash injection, and I'm only going to give that to you if you make sure that you hire a director of football. Let, I mean, let's just say in fancy land, these things come from Joe Lewis and Daniel Levy says, okay, fine, okay, I'll make sure there's a proper director. Do we think that suddenly the supporters trust would be like, oh, okay, well, we don't, we don't want you out anymore? I mean, is does it really come down to how much money is going to be spent? On players in the future. Is that what this is about? I mean, are they really upset about the way that the fans are treated? Let's look at how the stadium was built. I thought the stadium was built with a lot of input from Mm. the trust and from fans. And I thought it was built to be as fan friendly as possible. So is that what this comes down to? I mean maybe we've already addressed this maybe you already said it comes to, uh, you may you might have already addressed this maybe when you made your initial point
3: I think the goodwill from this actually think about this over yesterday the goodwill from the stadium which there was a lot of does seem to have just disappeared along with the uh, the burning torches and the pitchforks at the moment and that is a that is a little strange but it, I do wonder if just maybe the trust are feeling a little bit personally slighted here
2: this, I think the I think the the trust and the people involved in the trust that say are very very good people and they're doing it as volunteers and yeah. I don't envy them for one minute the amount of work they put into it but I think they are a little bit shop shop stewardy and I think they do exist in something of an echo chamber as well a lot of the things they say and do it is based on principle and look the world needs principle the um, things we've seen going on globally you, you need people with principles and I think they have those but ultimately I think the wider fan base wants Spurs to win I think the reason why there's been the uproar has been because it's been so poor on the pitch I think if we win games and we're doing well and you talk about the goodwill of the stadium and yes there is because the stadium was a fantastic project but look, that coincided with the best team on the pitch in a generation and getting to a Champions League final at the same time. Well, that's not a coincidence.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I said before the chat that I think I think it's not even just winning games. I think it's just winning trophies. Basically, it goes on for so long that people just get ground down by it, and then they stop even thinking about it, thinking it through, reasoning, and they hear one excuse and another excuse and. Of course, usually in life, people love a bit of a kind of figure they can put on a dartboard and throw darts at, don't they, to sort of apportion blame.
3: Yeah, I I use Milo for that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And Levy is very much that man at the moment.
0: You know, I snuck that in as an April question, even though, you know, the, the fire of general protest hit at Old Trafford today, May 2nd. So let's just close off our April review as best we can with a couple of, you know, a couple of our standard questions. Player of the month, Ricky. Kane gareth
3: hugo moby But thanks guys i was gonna go either kane or hugo <laughs> so um i'm gonna i'm gonna go hugo
0: yeah and i'm gonna go kane and as we, you know, as we have come into the start of May, you know, let's take a look at our last four games in terms of European competition and where we think that that, you know, which European competition we think we're most likely to end up in, first and foremost, all, all permutations not coming into effect with regards to if, you know, if the Woolwich Wanderers win this and if, you know, the, the Chelsea win that, let's forget all that. As it sits right now, four games left. Which European tournament do you think that we can qualify for? So I think
2: we'll finish sixth and I think we'll qualify for the Europa League would be my would be my gut instinct.
1: Um, I, well, as I said before, I think we could well go into that last game with 65 points. So that'd be win our next three games. And as I said before, we, all, we might all be heading round to Moby's for a big uh, King Power showdown.
0: Yeah, just before I bring you in on that, Moby, just to say our last four games are Leeds, Wolves, Villa and Leicester. I shouldn't. I didn't need to tell you about the last one, did I?
3: No, I was fully aware of that. My uh, my local Leicester WhatsApp group has been ribbing me uh, constantly already. So yeah, why why are you on a why are you on a local
0: Leicester WhatsApp
3: group? Why don't you just block them? Because I I have other friends, uh, and unfortunately, most of them support Leicester. Do you? (laughs) Oh, okay. Oh, Oh, right. Okay. So
0: oh, okay. So let's establish it's your local Leicester whatsapp yes because when you say local leicester whatsapp group it makes you think oh it's your local leicester city whatsapp group and i'm like what the hell is that about Ah, i see i'm
3: talking about leicester city as opposed to leicester city no i'm talking about the city of leicester rather than leicester city City. (laughs) yeah
0: well i mean on these on these nuances wars are one and one and lost and even way yes so we must get that right okay so you have friends in leicester I'm, you, li- I'm, I'm lying. Friends. I haven't got
3: any friends. I've just made that whole thing up. I've just made that whole confusing thing up. I have no friends. Um, I just heard some people talking outside once. <laughs> There's just lots of people on match day that used to walk past my house wearing blue shirts, so uh, I assumed that's what it yes. was. Yeah. Actually, I have to ask you: Do you live
0: near the? Yeah, power? yeah.
3: Um, te- How
0: close? How close do you live? Ten-minute
3: walk. So. I wonder close. if I've
0: walked, I must have walked past your house before
3: then. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is going this to get is a intriguing bit scary. To me.
0: <laughs> oh, I have. I must have walked past your house before because I've been to the King Power a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, I must have. And I even went to the old Filbert Street a couple of times as yes, well. Yes, that was a fun ground.
1: Yeah, thinking. I went there a few times as a kid. It was. So,
3: yeah. it was. I think
1: Moby's even offered his driveway for a ticket, hasn't he, on the odd occasion? I did
3: a while ago. Did yeah. it, Well, weirdly, I, I did offer that on, the, on that forum <laughs> we all frequent a while ago to try and get a ticket. <laughs> Free parking on Moby's drive, ten minute walk to the ground well, for anyone. That, that's
0: a that's a big thing in Leicester. Everyone rents their driveways out in <laughs> Leicester more than any other town that I can remember. I've seen this uh, uh, routinely. You'll see it at away, away grounds, obviously where the the community is close to the stadium. But it does.
1: There's loads of driveways for rent. Moby's got a tree
3: line it? driveway
1: and you've seen his house.
3: I've got a tiny, tiny driveway that you can just squeeze two cars on. It's appalling. So no, but what actually came out good of that was um, the chap that was going to take me up on it couldn't then come, but instead got me a ticket for the Crystal Palace game at the new stadium, which was a really, really good ticket. And that was my first game at the new stadium last season. It was the 4-0 in the first half win. And at half time, queuing for one of those beers with the uh, upside down fill, I ended up having a good old chat with Chris Powell, who was at the game, queuing... And I asked him, once we got chatting, I said, Chris, you're a big fan, obviously, as you're at the game. Why did you, uh, you know, did you ever come close? And he said to me, he said, yeah, because I did. I came really close. It was uh, it was signed up once. We had it all agreed. Deal was done. He said, and then I, just as I was going to sign it, I got a phone call to say that the deal was off. Um, they had done another deal and they needed the money. And I said, oh, shit, mate. What happened, you know, what happened there then? And he went, yeah, they, they signed Jürgen Klinsmann instead. <laughs> so, so so Chris sort of put his hands up and went, well, fair enough. So yeah, he was uh, he wow, was quite good about amazing. it. Yeah, amazing. Yes. And somehow we
0: come back to the month of April, and Chris Powell now being a part of our reception. That was right? all so, from
3: my drive. So.
0: <laughs> all from your drive. So the reason Chris Powell is now part of our coaching staff could indirectly be because of your kind words. Uh, the palace. That's game right. Last, yeah, just just put see. an
3: arm around his shoulder and say, Chris, look, mate, big stadium. One day, all this could be yours. And I like to think in a, in a little way, I inspired him onwards. So.
0: I'm prepared to ride on that. Yeah, let's close off on April. Are there any other thoughts on on, on the month? Did we end April better off than we started it? Let's, let let that be the final question.
1: Well, with Jose on, obviously. Take
0: the
2: question as you wish. Did we end it better off than we started? I think that we found ourselves probably six to eight weeks closer to coming to a resolution and getting to the next chapter of our story than we thought we were going to be at the start of April. From a points perspective, we're, we're, we're no better than we hoped we would be. But from a wider club perspective, I think we're in a better place.
3: Yeah, it's, a, it's okay. a fairly nuanced answer, but you know, good that we were coming out of the Jose period, not great on the points form. And I suppose in a way, at least we haven't got that cup final hanging over us anymore like we've had for so many months.
1: Yeah, I think regardless of the time, I mean, people have moaned about the timing of when he was sacked and that. But I think it was just that we, we had to do the deed. We had no other option. So I don't think whether it affected the cup final, I don't know. But yeah, it was a step forward. Him going was a step forward. and
0: Yeah, I think generally I see the month of April as being one of those um, suffering months that I think every club has to go through. Uh, and we really had to suffer and it had to happen for us to have any you know, chance of four progress and I think I'm I think I feel that, you know, in the end it was it was positive because we did manage to get rid of the one element that I felt was holding us back to such a detrimental place that there was absolutely no progression to be found whatsoever. So curiously, I was probably ended April a little more positive. Leeds United next. Mauricio Pochettino's <laughs> bedtime mentor, wasn't this didn't Bielsa didn't Bielsa once once go into his his bedroom when he was a young yep. lad to measure his legs or something like that? I mean we, it's I, I'm right in saying this right that Bielsa did go and measure his legs. When he was when he was a kid, one night, am he I correct? He went looked at his legs. I, I think was the story. I don't know if he measured them. Okay, like to see if one was. Sh- anyway, obviously Bielsa is either the Messiah or a very odd, uh, naughty boy. Uh, so, uh, which is it?
2: Yeah, we've not really seen full Bielsa this year. If we last year it was brilliant when the Spygate with Frank Lampard that really upset him. And was that a couple of years ago? Um, I think he is. Um, he's he's an interesting character, as as you can see. By the way, he can just conduct himself on the side of the pit, sitting on that. Water cooler. I mean, I was looking at some of their results this year. So they're unbeaten at home against any of the, I'm going to say, the... the Inverted in commas, top six this year, but they've not scored many goals, so we consider Leeds to be a team where it's free flowing and they either score three or, or let in three. But they drew one or with Man City, they drew one or with Liverpool, and they've had nil nil draws at home to Arsenal, Manchester United, and Chelsea. So, on that basis, well, I think we should expect a fairly tight game next week.
1: Yeah, I mean, the narrative usually is you're not quite sure what you're going to get with Leeds, and I'll be honest, I think when we played them at home early in the season, I was quite worried about the game because, you know, I've seen I've seen them play and they've played great games, and he's he, Definitely get some plan to assist system and to enthusiasm. And then we just rolled him over 3 0, and it's quite easy. So it's hard to guess, hard to gauge. But Bielsa, yeah, he's from the kind of a sprillier kind of cloth, just crazy as a box of frogs, basically.
3: And um, fair play to him at his age, sitting down on those haunches for the whole game. Yeah, I, I, sorry, I just got sidetracked. I was just researching online Pochettino's legs, funnily enough. And um, so, so Pochettino went on ESPN Brazil to tell the story. One night at one o'clock in the morning, he came to my house, knocked on the door and wanted to see this 13 year old boy. He wanted to see my legs. At this time of the morning, he would have to be a little odd. He had to make my parents dream. But he said those legs look like those of a very good player. Uh, So I think it was a good time to play Leeds earlier this season, segueing in effortlessly there. Yeah, I was a little bit worried, like Ricky says, about going in to play them, but they were perfect for us. Absolutely set up a treat. They were charging forward, leaving all sorts of gaps at the back, and we just picked them off. So it could be a different game this time, because we're not going to be playing that counter-attacking style constantly. But but I think now we're going to use the fact that we've got vastly superior players. So... I think, in the big scheme of things, Old that tactic. should be better. Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> who knew? Who knew, Ricky? Who knew?
2: We've spoken about top four and how it's always just been that you now that tantalising win away. But I mean, actually, we win next. If we win next week at Leeds, it really starts to put pressure on, particularly Chelsea, who then have Manchester City to play in their next game. So I think we've really got to approach that game as a must-win match. It really could set us up. Yeah, I mean, I was looking earlier. I think
1: if we win our next three, if we go to the King Power... On 65 points, that would have meant Leicester would have had to have won two of their other three games. Otherwise, if they lose to us, then we're above them. And of course, we spoke also earlier about Chelsea actually have got tough games as well. For one period of this season, if we could just like string four results together, then you never know.
0: First of all, I think it's going to be the most entertaining game of the ones left that we will play. Because I don't think either side at this point is particularly committed to playing um backfoot football if you will so I think we can look forward to a really exciting game I think it will be a true test actually of our defense to see if that central central defensive partnership is as solid as as we think it is right now they can give it to you they can give they can put you under pressure you know they can they can take it to you so I think it'll be a good test yeah, and I, I love Bielsa but I wouldn't want him at Spurs how's that I do like him, but I, I just I, I just wouldn't like him, suppose, for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is that I just don't think he and Daniel Levy could ever work together. And you know, so yeah, he's an odd messiah for some. How's that?:
1: I could never <laughs> actually imagine him talking to Levy. I couldn't imagine the two people talking to each other, which obviously would be a problem.:
0: No, not at all. I agree. I agree. I think we can uh, bring things to a close, chaps. We covered the month of April well there. I think the month of April sort of spoke for itself, covered itself, if you will. That's it, guys. <laughs> Let's bring it to a close. Thank you very much. We look forward to dreaming, right? We're still dreaming. What we're concluding here is we still think that we could make the Champions League. Am I right?
3: Yeah, I do. Could. Um, I'm, I'm a no. Sorry. I'm, I'm a no. <laughs> oh, we were so sorry, close to a, sorry. A, to a Gareth Bale oh, hat trick um, field spew I am, of optimism. I'm really positive, but I, I, just, I, I said before. Look, I just had this horrible feeling that we, we're nailed on to end up seventh and get this bloody Europa European Conference League. So my bit of optimism is Gareth sold me on the Europa League earlier. So I, I, I can't buy another ticket for the Champions League. I'd love it. But no, we're, just, we're not going to do it. Sorry, okay. I'll go. I've upset everybody now, haven't no, I? No. I've really dragged no. you all down. <laughs> Sorry.
0: No, no. In fairness, I think it's uh, incredible that we're still even in with a shout for the Champions League. I think it's an extraordinary thing, and, and, and we, we have, frankly, we have no right to be. But we are, we're still there. We fight another day, we'll fight another game, and we will look back at our game against Leeds next week and see if we're still talking about the Champions League. Right? All right, lads. Thank you very much. See you later. Cheers, Steph. Cheers, boys. As I just said, we will be back next week with a look back at our game against Leeds United. And in the meantime, if you like what you hear, dig through the archives and you will find oral treasures to make your time go sweetly. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a follow and say hello. As always, thanks very much for joining us and we'll see you next
2: week.